This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. Glad you're here this morning. Um, if you have ever played on a team, whether it be football, soccer, lacrosse, badminton, if you've ever been on a team, raise your hand. All right. All right. Keep it up. Keep it up. Didn't tell you put it down. If, because uh, I don't want to leave the intelligent people out, because those of us that aren't, we played sports. Um, if you ever like what chess team, debate team, mock trial team, any of those? Yeah. Okay. Good. So if you've been on a team, you understand what it's like to work together, right? Um, and I was on a soccer team, and I remember we played the whole season, and every game we won. Every game. Undefeated. And had just a wonderful season. Came down to the championship game, which I thought was kind of pointless. I mean, all the other teams had lost games. Our team had not lost. It should have just handed us the trophy, right? Because we, we have won every game. And so we came to the championship game, and we played the game, and guess what? No, we won. Um, we won every game. And we got our trophy, big trophy. Everybody got their individual trophy. We were the best fourth, fifth, and sixth grade soccer team around. The best. And a matter of fact, we were in a church league and we were so good, the other churches didn't let us back in the league the next year because we went out to win. None of this sissy stuff they do nowadays where let's just play and have a good time, okay, kids? We're not going to keep score. What is that? We kept score. And we won. And, uh, and, and I remember it was our coach had a lot to do with it. He taught us because if you work with kids in sports, you know how that, especially in a game like soccer, they just run in a clump. Wherever the ball is, there's the clump, except for the one or two that are picking daisies. You know, they're just <laughs> running around. He did good at teaching each of us where our position was at on the field and how to play that position, what we were supposed to do when we were on the field in that position. And uh, he, would, he would probably get sued, you know, in today's society because at practice, we would have to run laps around the whole field a few times, and the coach would run behind the last guy and kick him in the seat of the pants the whole time. That wouldn't go today, would it? Made us faster. I wanted to be ahead of... The, I didn't care to be first. I just want to be ahead of the last guy. I did not want to be him. A few times I was him, and I would speed it up a little bit. That's back when I actually did run. Um, not, when, when something wasn't chasing me like an animal or something like that, I would just run. So we've, we've been on teams. We understand what that's about. And some might say in the church world, some might say the whole team concept is something that the church is adapting from the business world and, and bringing it into the church. But team building is nothing new to the church. Um, Jesus Christ was an excellent team builder. Jesus went out and handpicked 12 guys, and he said, you guys are going to be on my team. And he went out and got these guys from, you know, different lives, just different guys, and brought them all together to accomplish something great. Matter of fact, in Acts 5.28, it says about, said about them that they filled Jerusalem with the message of Jesus Christ. These 12 guys who, as individuals, would not have accomplished much, came together as a team and did something incredible. They filled a whole city with the message of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Apostle Paul was another great team builder. 
and team leader. He wasn't a loner. He was out there working with a team. In Acts 15, he recruited Silas. In Acts 16, Timothy and Dr. Luke. In Acts 18, Priscilla and Aquila joined the team. Um, In Acts 20, verse 4, says, several men accompanied Paul. Um, and, And what did Paul's team do? What did this team of believers do together? They did something incredible. They turned the world, the known world at that time, upside down and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. So imagine what could be said of Nags Head Church turned the Outer Banks upside down. Now, in our church, we have a couple hundred partners, um, and we have a very high percentage rate. I haven't done the math lately for this, but our percentage rate is probably somewhere around 90% of those who are partners in our church are serving in a ministry. They're on a ministry team somewhere in Nags Head Church. And, and that's a good percentage when you look at what's common among or average among churches. We don't want to be average, and 90% isn't good enough, right? 100% is where we need to be. Now, coaches today will go, hey, guys, if you just give 90%, it's okay if you're having fun. But that's not the case. 100% of us need to be serving together, and we need 100%, not 90 So if the majority of our church is serving on a ministry team, you know, Andy, why, why would you take time to talk about that? Well, first of all, we have some partners who have yet to plug into ministry and yet to join a team, and we want to encourage them to take that step to do that, to get on the team, find their ministry, find their shape, figure out where God wants them to serve, and get plugged in. We also have partners who, like me, come from like a traditional Baptist background who teams is a whole new concept. It was committees, right, is what we're used to. So how's a committee and a team different? And so we want people to understand this is why I'm on a team, this is what I do on a team, and why we serve together at Nags Head Church on teams together. So we'll dive in and start talking about teams. The very first thing is this. Serving together creates unity. Serving together creates unity. One fluid movement forward. Um, When I played soccer... Our, goal taught, our coach taught us the whole goal, the purpose of the game is to move that ball from here to there into the goal. That was the purpose. The whole team was working towards that task of moving this ball up the field. And when we serve together, when we're unified to accomplish our purpose as a church, that is unity moving forward. Um, if we don't serve in unity, we become like, uh, I, I dubbed it the slinky effect, Right? What walks downstairs, a loner in pairs, or make the slinkity sound, a spring, a spring, a marvelous. Thank you. Last service, they weren't quite, they weren't TV junkies like us, Tanisha. A marvelous spring, everyone knows it's slinky. And the slinky effect is this. You've got part of the church that's moving. It's going forward, and it's going. And then you've got another part of the church that's kind of lagging, and maybe when they catch on, you know, and the church is constantly doing this, instead of moving together as a team forward for the purpose of what the church is all about. Um, The team, a successful team, needs a clearly defined purpose because purpose brings focus, purpose brings motivation. In Acts 16.10, Paul wrote, God had called us. For Paul, his um, target was non-negotiable. His purpose was clear, and it was very serious with him. He said, God has called us to this which shows the importance and shows the focus of what Paul was all about. Nag said, church, our target is clear. Our purpose is very clear. Our purpose is, let's say it together if you know it. All right. All right. That's our purpose. And we said it so excited, didn't we? Let's try again because you're like, oh, just reaching people to discover life in Christ. No big deal. What's with that? Let's say it like we mean it. Nags at church, our purpose is reaching 
Oh, that felt so much better. Reaching people to discover life in Christ. Our target starts here locally as we love God and we're loving the people around us. We're reaching the outer banks. Then it goes global as we reach to the world with missions. That's what we're all about. And you may be on the housekeeping team. Guess what your target is? Is it sweeping the floor? Is it mopping? Is it reloading all those little cards and pens in the back of the chairs each week? That would drive me nuts. Andy, we want to drive you nuts. We've given you a new task. Fill those cards and pens. Ah, I couldn't do it. That's too tedious for me. Is it filling up those little cards? Is it scrubbing toilets? Is it the important task, very important, of stocking the important paper? Right? Is that what your team is about? That's not it. That's not your target. Those are the tasks you are doing to reach your target, your purpose of reaching people to discover life in Christ. And if you approach what you do in your ministry, not at, well, I'm scrubbing the toilet, but as I'm reaching people to discover life in Christ, which is hard to connect those two, right, in your mind. But if you approach it that way, all of a sudden the mundane task, the tedious task, takes on a whole new different light. And you become excited about what you're doing in ministry instead of, oh, well, here I am doing my thing, you know. You focus on your purpose. You may be on the nursery team, and your target isn't changing diapers and feeding babies their bottles. We're glad you do that. But that's not your target. Those are the actions you take in the process of carrying out the purpose of Nags Head Church, of reaching people to discover life in Christ. So when we move together, there's unity. There's one fluid movement forward. And as part of unity, we need to be dedicated to the team goals above personal goals. Um, and even dedicated to the church's goals above maybe my ministry team's goals. Second Thessalonians 3.8 says, We have never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night, so we would not be a burden to any of you. Paul worked day and night. He had an exhausting schedule. He put everything he had into ministry, and he put everyone else above himself in serving others day and night. His purpose for his team came above his own purpose or his own needs in life. And I'm naturally selfish. That's the way I am. Anybody else naturally selfish? Yes. We're, I think a lot of us are that way. Some people aren't. They're just born so, so sweet and so nice. They drive me nuts. Naturally selfish. And, um, and I've shared before about the whole pudding thing at my house. When, when I was growing up, my mom would make, she had these parfait cups. I guess that's parfait cups from Tupperware. I now own them. Did you know that I have them, Rick? They're antiques. Um, mom heard me talking about this, and she gave them to me. I have antique Tupperware at my house. And, uh, and it looks like it, too. But she would make, there were seven of us, and she would make eight puddings. Let me say it again. There were seven of us, and she would make eight chocolate puddings. Mom was trying to stir up discord in the home. <laughs> why, why do that to me? I'm naturally selfish. I may be full. I may be stuffed. But I'm going to eat that other pudding before the other brothers and sisters get to it. Whatever it takes. I'm selfish. That's the way I am. And it's a bad thing. It's not good. That's part of the old nature. Um, I'm selfish. When Misha and I would make pudding or jello. We don't make it anymore. We don't make the pudding and jello because we have children now. We don't have time. We buy the prefab pudding and jello and we've taught them how to rip the top off and lick the foil because you got to do that. 
Last week we had a contest at the house. I was like, Ty, how many, how many bites does it take you to eat that little chocolate pudding cup? And it took him like 12. I said, watch this, buddy. Three spoons. Gone. It was marvelous. But when we would make pudding and jello at home, I would serve Misha her bowl, and this was pre-kid time. I would serve her her bowl, and she would eat it, and I'd eat my little bowl, and I'd look at her, would you like more? Oh, no, I don't want more. You know. Okay, and I would eat the whole bowl. I'd eat the other three or four servings. Just, thank you. Why? I was more concerned about Team Andy than I was about Team Andy Misha. I was taking care of Andy rather than Team Andy Misha. That's a silly example to use, but that's what we do in the church sometimes. We get so wrapped up about our own personal goal or task or purpose that we forget about what the purpose really is, is reaching people to discover life in Christ. Or we get so wrapped up about our team's purpose and our team's task that we forget about the church. And so we might have a tendency to get bent out of shape. Some people just really left that donut table a mess this morning. What are they thinking? Well, that's not what it's about. It's not about the donut table and cleanliness. It's about reaching people to discover life for Christ. So it's easy to become selfish and start thinking about it. And it's a big picture issue when we get like that. When we're part of a ministry team at Nags Head Church, we have to keep the big picture in mind and, and as our purpose. I, I struggle with doing that um, because I'm heavily into the youth ministry team, and that's what I'm thinking about most of the time. But got to keep the big picture in mind. And the Nagshead Church is not about the youth ministry team. The youth ministry team is about Nagshead Church. We're about accomplishing the purpose of the church. And so we're, you have to look at the big picture um, because we're here to do ministry to reach people to discover life in Christ. And um, sometimes we struggle with that as individuals or as teams at Nagshead Church. And, and here's why. I heard a very wise man named Sam Knight say this once. And it's very rare that I remember a lot of things, but he said this statement, his stuck in my mind. He said, it's hard to see the big picture when you're inside the frame. It's hard to see the big picture when you're inside the frame. You have to step out and look at it all to grasp the big picture. So when we focus on our ministry team instead of on our church's team, or when we focus on personal goals above the church's goals, we're trapped in the frame and we're not looking at the big picture. Each team's goals should be the purpose of Nagshead Church. Um, what can our team do together to accomplish the purpose of Nagshead Church? Next thing is um, serving together on a team builds relationships. Serving together builds relationships. And those relationships create connections that keep us plugged in to the body. Relationships and connections within the body, the church, are vital to us being healthy as individual believers and healthy as a church body. Uh, one of the telltale signs that someone is drifting away is they cut off connections at the church, and they might start with their ministry team. And at first, and when you've been doing this a while, you see through the excuses and the smoke screens, and you know what they're really saying when they don't really tell you, I guess, the truth. But you see that they're cutting themselves away and they'll drop off a ministry team. Maybe they're tired or they're too busy and, and they'll come up with all kinds of reasons. And next thing you know, they're missing one or two Sundays of serving and now they missed a month. Then they've taken a break for six months. A year later, you don't see them anywhere. They've cut off that important connection on the ministry team and then maybe they cut off from their connection group 
from their small group Bible study, and they just start cutting away connections because they're moving away. And when we see that as leaders of ministry teams, we need to be aware when somebody does that, there's a problem and they're drifting away, and we need to do what we can to keep them connected. Um, When you and I are connected with each other, it's those relationships that are like gorilla glue. It holds you tight, holds you together. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, A cord of three strands is not easily broken. There's strength in that being connected. And the fact is, people are looking for a place where they fit. And, And ministry teams provide that opportunity for people to build relationships with one another and to get that connection. If I show up every Sunday at Nags Head Church as a regular attender or a partner, if I'm here every Sunday morning and I'm not serving on a ministry team, then my connection with the church can only go so deep. It's not going to go any deeper than just, good morning, how you doing on Sunday. That's as far as it's going to go. And so connection groups are vital in helping us to grow deeper in our relationships with one another and to grow together. And some might say that a church partner is selfish if they don't roll up their sleeves and get involved in ministry. Um, I think it's the other way around. I already told you I'm selfish. One of the reasons why I like serving with others is because I like those relationships. I like those friendships that are created and working together as a team. I enjoy that. I get something out of that. I get so much out of working together with others to accomplish a common goal, to work together towards our purpose. Doing this blesses me. It gives me friendships that I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. And I would not have those if I weren't serving on a ministry team. Other thing is serving together helps foster a community of accountability. There is an accountability or accountability there when, when you serve on a ministry team. And now some of us cringe. If you're like me, you might cringe when you hear the word accountable because it's kind of like the same thing, kind of like discipline. Those are a couple words we just really don't like in life. And, uh, but when you serve together, there's accountability because when I sign up and join the team, guess what? Everyone else on that team, they're counting on me to do my part. Um, they're relying on me to show up and, and do my part on the team. So there's an accountability there. And it would be so easy sometimes because I'm tired or because I've got company from out of town for the weekend. It would be so easy just to push off the ministry for a weekend. And then that leaves a hole on the team and makes others have to step up and do more. And it creates an issue there. And so we need to be um, accountable to each other. How many are coffee drinkers? All right. I want to talk to the serious coffee drinkers. Four to six cups a day. All right. Wow. You're way better than the last one. Let's try this. Just out of my curious. Eight cups a day. Oh, my word. Yes. You're like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> um, all that coffee. So we're talking to the real coffee drinkers. Imagine this. If this morning you rushed out of your house without having, you woke up late, and you rushed out of your house without your standard two cups of coffee before coming to church where you drink your other three, and you, I do that every week, you walk into the lobby and you make a beeline for the Wave Cafe to pick up your cup of coffee, and you walk up, and and the little roll-up window is slid down. Now, it's not slid down because you're running late. You know, they shut that at five minutes before the service so we can get people in here. It's shut because hospitality team just decided, eh, we're not going to show up today. We're not going to do our thing. You would have panic set in. I could have my coffee, <laughs> you know. And then you would get the jitters. And then you would wonder, how am I going to stay awake for an hour and 15 minutes and listen to Rick preach without my coffee? 
That's not going to happen, hopefully. Um, why? Because serving each and every Sunday, this team, they're accountable to each other. And they're here each week serving you and I, the church. And as we grow as a church, there could be the danger of not being able to accomplish all the ministries that we could be doing um, to reach others because we have partners sitting on the bench instead of out on the field. That's the great thing about a church team is there are no bench sitters. Everyone's on the field. All right? How, how many of you play sports where you're like the, the person on the bench? The only time you really got to see the game is when your team was 50 points ahead. You're in the game. What? I didn't even dress out today, coach. You know, In a church, everybody is on the team and on the field. If I showed up tonight for youth group and none of the youth ministry team showed up, I'd be looking at the faces of teenagers, a bunch of students, and tell them, you've got to call mom and dad to come get you. Why? Because ministry doesn't happen without ministers. And it's not rocket science. Without the ministers, you and I, ministry serving each other won't happen. Does not happen. I did some math last week. And if you know how I am with math skills, this may not be 100% accurate, but I know it's fairly close. The only, only math I ever took was up to pre-algebra. Beyond that, I have no clue. I mean, when you take a number plus a number equal sign, I got it. But you start putting symbols and little tiny numbers up in places, that's, we don't even need it, you know. And so I did some math last week, and it takes around 345 man hours for us to do what we do at Nagshead Church for Sunday morning. 345 man hours. Our hospitality team, whom we all love, they have a newspaper hanging up in the kitchen, a newspaper ad. And, And I went in there this last week to get coffee and during the week, and I saw this ad, and it's an opening a church has on their staff to hire someone to come in and make coffee and serve refreshments every Sunday morning. Eight bucks an hour, six hours a week. And when I saw that, I laughed at first, and then I thought, how sad. Someone in their church is missing out on a ministry opportunity to serve others, and, and they're missing out on a blessing. It also is dangerous because then it gives the mindset of, if I drop my 10 bucks in the plate, I don't have to serve because, hey, I'm, I'm paying out for it, right? And so I saw that, and I thought, well, let me see, 345 man hours. And, and you take that at the going ministry rate, apparently, from this church ad of $8 an hour, and Nag said, church, are you ready? How much you do? $2,760 worth of ministry a week. But the problem is you can't put a price tag on ministering to somebody. You can't do it. Um, 345 man hours, about 200 partners. You do the math. Everybody's got to be on board. Ministry doesn't happen without ministers. Also, serving together brings an opportunity to minister to each other as we do our ministry together. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well, and if you don't have it underlined, underline this. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God Himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Here's the deal. When we say, I'm just too tired, then that means we've been trying to do ministry in our own strength. Because this verse tells us that strength from ministry comes from the strength that God supplies. 
Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. Ministry is serving others in the church, and and we have opportunities um, to minister to others on our team as our team works together to minister to the church. The youth ministry team, I serve with them, and in the trenches, we're in the trenches of battle every Sunday night up in the youth room. Hey, let me tell you about these kids last week. I went to Food Lion. I bought $65 worth of frozen food, like mozzarella sticks, pizza, pocket thingies. It was like 400 and something individual pieces of frozen, healthy food. And we baked them. We put them on the eight-foot table, and it covered the eight-foot table. And like in five minutes, it was gone. So we're up there serving each week, ministering to the students. And there's sometimes a youth ministry team says or does something that ministers to me, and they may not even know it, but it's a blessing to me. We're there to minister to the students, and the team ministers to me. And last week, I looked over, busy doing the thing, and just in amazement watching this frozen food go down the gullet of kids, just like... And I was amazed by it, but I looked over, and for about an hour, one of our team members sat at a table with a young lady and ministered to this girl for almost an hour. That blessed me. That ministered to me. And I wasn't the one sitting at the table. And so when we serve together, we minister to the other people on our team. And I'm sure the the ladies in the nursery would tell us that there have been times as, as they've sat in the nursery, there's been that rare, quiet moment. When they're in the rocking chairs, rocking a couple of babies, where maybe they shared a prayer request or a need with each other or a praise that something God's doing and they've encouraged each other, they're ministering to us because they're taking care of our children while we're in here so we can have no distractions, you know. And then for those of us that are parents and all week, this gives us like at least an hour, 15-minute break. And if you're like me, you get your kids here 20 minutes early, gives you more time. But there's that, that moment that I'm sure it happens in that room. And I'm sure whenever teams get together, they minister to each other. Just because I've had it happen with me and I've seen it happen with others. The housekeeping team, they clean this building each week. And I'm glad that they do. And they're vital to support to us uh, accomplishing our purpose at Nags Head Church. And, and I've noticed when they drop in individually to clean during the week. Because a team of like, I'm just guessing like four show up during the week. Some come individually, which fits their schedule, and that's good, works for them. But once, one day when we were finishing the youth room, and I, and I thought I was the only one in the building, I came out onto the balcony up here, and, and I heard what sounded like a party. And I knew because I'd seen the big calendar, there was nothing scheduled at the church. And I looked over, it was the cleaning team. A, a sub-team of the cleaning team had showed up to clean together, and they were having a good time. And it was a party. And I thought, you know what? They get it. They understand what it means to serve together. There's so much benefit from doing that and spending that time together. Um, So it's very important. Uh, The next thing is serving together is a witness to the community. That makes an impact. Now, when a church is divided or fighting or bickering or has factions and division, they have one impact on the community, and it's a negative one. Rather than drawing people into a relationship with God, they're pushing people away. And that's why protecting the church is so important. And so when the community sees us unified, serving together, there's an impact, and that it's a huge positive one. Um, they see that there's something different at Nags Head Church. A team 
fails when a team is divided. It just doesn't work. You've seen, you've watched professional sports, and sometimes you get two or three players on there that their head is just huge because they're so good, and that team just doesn't do well. Even though they got all this great talent, they don't do well. Why? Because there's players that it's all about me instead of team working together for the team's purpose. And there's failure. Um, watch TV enough and you'll see that. Um, what good is it to have one player smacking a homer every game and everybody else, they're committing errors on the field. They're just not moving together as a team. Next at church, um, the Outer Banks is watching us. And they're looking to see if what we have is real. This Jesus thing, this God thing, is it real? I want to know about it. And so they're watching to see. And when they see us roll up our sleeves and work together, say, for a week to house the homeless and feed them and take care of them, the community out there takes notice of that. And Jesus said this in John thirteen thirty five. He said, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not your preaching, not your standing on the street corners and yelling repent. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So it's a witness to the community. And one thing that helps in the dynamic of a team in doing this, accomplishing this, is that people realize the value of everyone on the team, including self. They realize how important everybody on the team is, including themselves. There's, you know, we have the body, and, and every part of the body has a function, a role to do, a job to fill. My epidermis this morning is doing its job. Aren't you glad? Look, it's doing its job. Some areas are working harder than others right now. But my epidermis is keeping everything inside where it's supposed to be. Epidermis is skin, right? I don't want to be saying something really strange. Okay. So... I took biology. That was about it. Um, so we have this body. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 20 through 26, and I love these verses. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Verse 22, in fact, some, of the, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together. That's important to remember. We're put together by God. God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. Verse 25, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other, we're to care for each other. Verse 26, if one part suffers, this week I reached into a cardboard box. It was that thin type of cardboard. And when I reached in, a corner of it went up under my fingernail. Mm, see, I got the same reaction. Those of you who are compassionate were like, oh, you know, merciful. Oh, poor Andy, you know. And those of you that aren't like, man, just suck it up, man. Toughen up. <laughs> Everybody has something going to their fingernail. But when that happened... My whole body went, oh, I mean, there was just pain throughout. It was just right there, but it hurt. And when I told Misha about it, she's like, oh, my skin's crawling. I was like, it happens every week. Something goes under my fingernail. I just expect it to happen now. But when it happens, my whole body suffers. And it says, if one part suffers, if one person in the church suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. So what if the pancreas decided 
Uh, no one ever sees me. No one sees what I do. I can't offer much to the body that's important. I don't do much. So I'll remove myself from functioning in the body. If the pancreas decided that, I'm not a doctor, but I think probably you die. It's, it's that important. So it's important when every part of the church is doing its part. It's important. That's why Paul uses the body as an illustration because it's a great illustration of how the church should be. Every partner at Nagshead Church should be involved in ministry at Nagshead Church. We agree to this when we join the team. When we become a partner in Nagshead Church, we agree we're going to find out what our ministry is. We're going to plug in and we're going to do it. We're going to roll up our sleeves and serve. Why? Because there's a lot of work to do? No. God will take care of the work. That's not what it's about. There's a lot of ministry to be done, serving one another, but mostly it's about growing spiritually and being spiritually healthy. Our church won't be spiritually healthy or balanced if we as partners individually aren't spiritually healthy. And part of that is serving in ministry, getting on a team. It's part of your spiritual health. And, and when we don't do that, our effectiveness to move together in unity is, uh, is greatly diminished. Some people sometimes don't serve because they fear failure or feel unqualified. When I was asked a long time ago, 20 years or so ago by my pastor to teach youth Sunday school. I was like, no, I'm not qualified for that. You know, and, and sometimes we don't serve out of fear or we feel that we're unqualified. I'm not qualified to serve. And I read this, I had to read a book recently and, and um, the book was Lead Like Jesus, which is a great book. And, and in there, there was a statement that, and it said this, the statement was this, and it's great. It says, God does not call the qualified. God qualifies the called. God does not call the qualified. God qualifies the called. Examples, Rahab. She was a prostitute in Jericho. She was not a military strategist. She was not trained in espionage. But God used Rahab to help bring down the walls of Jericho. Um, Another one, Moses. Shepherd, speech impediment, not qualified to lead a nation, but God qualified Moses. Another one, Mary young teenage girl. Tell me who on earth is qualified to give birth to the Son of God and to raise the Son of God and to teach the Son of God about life. Teenage girl, Mary, she wasn't, but God qualified her when He called her. Peter, he wasn't really highly trained or highly skilled. He wasn't highly educated. Um, He often spoke and acted before he thought, and uh, which sometimes got him in trouble. He wasn't qualified. But God qualified him. Saul, his job was to torment and kill Christians, persecute the church. He would be the last person who would go, oh, he's qualified to be a pastor, right? Let's bring in Saul. He'll kill us all. It'll be great. You know, that's not the way. But God changed his life. And now Saul is Paul. His name's changed. His life's changed. And God has qualified Paul to lead the church and to be an incredible missionary to the world. So God has gifted you to serve. You need to find where God wants you to serve and answer that call. And he'll give you what you need to accomplish the task because ministry isn't in and of ourselves. It's all about God. He gives us spiritual gifts to use. And and if you're serving out of his strength and his power, he gives you the energy to accomplish what he wants done in ministry with those he has placed around you to serve one another. So what's your next step? Perhaps you're a partner at Nagsa Church and you are not serving. It's time to get on the team and serve. It's time to get out on the field and get in the game instead of just watching. 
Um, get off the bench and be a player in ministry and meeting people's needs and people ministering to you. Perhaps you're on the team, but you haven't been giving it your all. It's time to do your ministry as if you're doing it for the Lord because you are. It's time to do your ministry with the focus and the purpose in mind that I'm reaching people to discover life in Christ. And perhaps you're on a team and you're serving and things are going great with the team. It's time for you to share your excitement with others because I guarantee you, if you're excited about your ministry team, other people can go, hmm, I want in on some of that. I want to get involved in that, in ministering to each other. And they'll discover the joy that comes from that. I'm excited about next Sunday. It's Test Drive Sunday. And um, I want everybody to do me this. If you could just take out a communication card and grab a pen, and if you're on the front row, maybe somebody can hand a pen and communication card and give it to you. I want everybody to participate in this, please. If you're a guest with us, if you could just write your name, how you found out about us, where you're from. We're not going to come to your house and, and knock on your door. We're not going to, if you're from, you know, Ohio, we're certainly not going to drive there to see you. Not that, nothing against Ohio. But just put the information so we know who you are, where you're from. We'd appreciate that. If you're a regular attender, which means you come pretty much every Sunday here at Nags Head Church, and you're interested in serving on a ministry team on Sunday morning, please write the name of that ministry team or teams that you are interested in because we want to help you to take the next step. In other words, if you've been coming to Nags Head Church for a few weeks, few months, we want to help you take the next step, which is to take the class Discovering Nags Head Church so you can find out what we're about and, and you can become a partner in the church, part of the team, and start serving each week with us. We want to help you do that. And uh, you need to figure out if this is God, where, if, if you say in your heart, this is where God wants me, then it's time to follow through with the process and get in on the team. Um, if you are a partner, we ask you to do one of two things. If you could write down which Sunday ministry team you serve on. Like right now, I serve on the Kids Zone team, or I serve at the check-in kiosk, or hospitality team. If you serve on a team, Sunday team, please write that down. And if you are not, you're a partner at Nags Head Church, but you are not doing ministry on Sunday morning. If you would write down the, the team that you would like to do, take a test drive next Sunday. And maybe you say, well, I won't be here next Sunday. Still write the team down, and we'll, we'll let you test drive another time. But we want you to write down a team that you would like to test drive because we want to get that information to the team leaders so that next week when they have people showing up to their team, they know how to help them figure out what to do and, and talk to them some about their ministry and what they do. So we would like you to write that down. And then as we leave today, you can either leave it on your seat or if you could drop it in that basket over by the big window, we'd appreciate it. But we want you on the team because you, you benefit from it spiritually, the church grows together, and there's more unity when we're all on board together as a team. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you've placed Nags Head Church here um, in Nags Head, God, and, and you've brought people into this church body. You've called us here. You've placed us in the body where you want us. God, I thank you for that. I thank you, God, that you've given each of us as believers uh, spiritual gifts that we can use to minister to the church, minister to each other, God, and to use in worship to you. And God, I pray for us today that, that um, those that are on teams and they're serving God, just encourage them, their hearts. Uh, God, just may you help them to focus on their purpose and keep that purpose in mind um, that will motivate them and excite them about doing their ministry, whatever that ministry might be. And God, for our partners who have yet to take that step and join a ministry team, God, maybe they're still trying to figure out where they need to fit and what they need to do, God, if you will help guide them through that, Lord, and help us as a church.
to uh, get them plugged in and, and figure out where you want them to serve, God, because every part has a function in the body. And God, we thank you for that. Thank you for this wonderful time of worship we've had this morning. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.